0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of how to live the podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Danon, and I hope you are having a beautiful week.
1: Hey there, we have some exciting news podcast listeners. We sure do. Last week when we came to you, we were feeling a little bit defeated, to be honest, because we really wanted to open a Tubes pop-up store for this summer and we just weren't having any luck with finding a space.
0: And we would like to say thank you so much to everybody who did get in touch and people had some amazing recommendations. We are so appreciative and we're very happy to announce...
1: we have. The space, woohoo! Yay! So, we've just this morning, Monday morning, signed
0: the lease and we will be open this time next week at 469 Chapel Street, South Yarra. Stay tuned, we should be opening on Friday, but we don't really know at this point because it's very fresh news.
1: Yeah, so it's going to be a massive week. My friends keep trying to make plans with me and I'm like, uh, oh, literally, I have no idea what I'm doing. All I know is I'm setting a pop up up and it's going to be, ca- crazy i'm really excited
0: oh my god i know renan gets home from six weeks in the u.s on monday and it's like uh sorry not gonna have any time to see you (laughs) anyway we're super excited about it we're gonna be running a really cool event there in the few weeks that will be open it'll be open till the end of december so stay tuned for all the details once it's ready we might chuck the facebook event link in the show notes but on to today's very exciting podcast guest. Who is she again, Jess? She is the incredible
1: Kimberly Gordon, founder of Wild Fox and also her newer
0: label, Selkie. So we'd actually had the pleasure of meeting Kim a few years back when we were living in LA. You'll hear all about why, when, where, how. It's a very interesting story during this episode. We also chatted to Kim about how we can have end of life revelations right now, overcoming challenges with Creating diversity in a label and what it was like being booted out of her own company by her partner, who, just so you know, we refer to as option C in this episode. You'll hear why when you listen. And talk all about starting fresh with her amazing new label, Selkie.
1: So, as per usual, stick around to the end of the episode to find out what champion is on the podcast next week. What oh. world champion? <laughs> <laughs> and until then, enjoy Kim. <laughs>
2: we going to make it louder we going to take it higher we going to show them how to live How
0: when we first met you years ago, we were living in LA for like five months and we lived on Burnway, like just down there. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. this is so a coincidence. so now we're,
1: we're coming home.
2: <laughs> Welcome home to your bad art. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we take what we can get, you know, it, ha- it has a pool, so it has its perks. Well, I think we
1: lived in an Airbnb last time we were here and it had plenty of bad art, so we got quite used to it.
0: Mm,
2: yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Getting kinda... used to bad art. Well,
0: or you fork out more cash for a nicer
2: hotel room, so like mm, this will we'll do. less money less art yeah, yeah totally that. i hate that that's life you just summed it all up right there <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally. you win some you, you gotta sa- settle yeah exactly <laughs> settle. You settle for something you have to
2: <laughs> sacrifice something
0: So your Instagram is um, We Dream of Ice Cream and your whole aesthetic is so dreamy. So we thought it would be perfect to start by asking you, what has been the dreamiest day of your whole career so far, if you can pick just one?
2: The dreamiest day of my career? Mm. That's a cute question. (laughs) I know what it is right away. And thinking about it even like takes you back there. When I was doing Wild Fox, my partner and I wanted to do like a groupies, themed collection and photo shoot. So we needed a theater to film it in to make it look like they had been watching a band. And we just got four of our guy friends. Well, two of them were guy friends and two of them were just guys we met at bars. Like we were like, <laughs> let's go find guys that look like they're in a band. So we got like four guys, they're so cute. If you look at the Wapbox collection of that, it's it's so funny, you can tell. They do look like they're in a band together and some of them played guitar. So we, we actually went to my high school theater teacher in santa barbara and asked him if we could use the theater and he was like oh yeah definitely so we all went to santa barbara where i went to high school and we shot the whole thing on the stage there and my teacher was there and you know uh, he was supportive in high school but i really wanted to be an actress and he wouldn't cast me like in anything (laughs) he was really frustrating he just cast the same girl over and over again but when we were shooting, he was amazing. He was standing behind me, and he was like, look what you've done. And it was so nice. It was very, like, it felt like full circle. It felt really good to come back home and do something so beautiful with my my friend, my partner that I went to high school with and started the line with. So, It was really nice. That's so cool. That sounds like
1: a great day. It is funny like kind of going back and reliving those memories. Like Stefan and I like finished school like 10 plus years ago and recently we went back for the first time and it was a really surreal feeling to be there like and kind of feel the exact same and be taken back to the same corridors but be in a completely different like space.
2: Yeah, totally. Like you've grown up first of all and then second of all, you finally feel success. I think the one th- problem with being a s- woman in business, or anyone in business, is a lot of people ask you, like, what does it feel like to be successful? And I always say, like, you just don't feel it. Yeah. It's really hard on the inside, you don't feel it because you're so stressed out and you're so worried about the future instead of, like, oh, today's great. Like, life is going so well. You're like, is this going to last? Is this going somewhere? I just think in that moment, it just let me have a tangible, successful moment Mm -hmm. and that's what felt so good it was like okay I'm not in high school anymore I don't have to worry about what I'm gonna do with my life Mm. so cool yeah it's kind of like you're always looking to the next
0: thing but if you think about yourself as a teenager in high school if she could see you now she would just be like fuck I am so cool I think she'd be
2: like this isn't what you wanted to do but it looks cool
1: (laughs) (laughs) so taking it back to kind of like your childhood and you're experiencing like this creativity and you know you want to be an actress what were your parents doing at that time do you feel like they had a big impact on like who you are and who you ended up being
2: definitely I mean do you guys feel that way I think everyone must right yeah yeah even because thing- of or
1: despite yeah exactly <laughs> like, so I'm like I don't want to be like that
2: that's got to be everyone unless they have some kind of like miraculous parenting I, I don't know anyone that doesn't have like a good side and a bad side of and that they don't want to be of their parents. But my parents are both artists. My dad's a children's book illustrator and my mom wa- used to write the books for the children's books, but she doesn't anymore. Now she's in a job she hates. But uh, that's really cute that's the that side they of my did mom. that. I don't want to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. But that it was really cute upbringing. I mean that is a storybook, isn't it? And I grew up in England with them. It's such a storybook. You grew up in England?
0: I was going to say it sounds like you have a bit of a British accent. Oh, God.
2: Yeah. I try and cover up any sort of remnants at all. No, it's definitely a blend.
0: No, I like it. So when
1: did you move to the U.S.?
2: When I was 11. A lot of my family still lives there. I only moved here with my parents and one of my brothers. And we left my sister and brother behind. They were Uh. in college. But moving to the U.S., it was so amazing. It, like, made my aesthetic. Because there are things you can do here that you just can't do in England. Like, I remember walking out to the mailbox barefoot and being you can't like... can't do that in England? I'm in pajamas. Well, no. it's too cold. It's too cold.
1: Yeah. Oh, I thought you it, meant as, like, society's expectations. I mean, we never... Both, even maybe.
2: in the summers, though, we didn't go outside on the sidewalks barefoot. We didn't do any of the things that we did in California... I was just like, California is such a culture shock, but in such a great way. I couldn't believe how much I loved it and how blessed I was. And to get out of the uniform, no more school uniforms, it was like all this freedom. I went to a really alternative elementary school in Santa Barbara, and I went to school barefoot. No I, way. They let did. me direct a play. Like I was directing and making little movies. It was great. It so, so great. But in England, it would have been really structured, and I wouldn't have had any of that. So it's my style and aesthetic is actually sort of a mix between like that that upbringing, that very British like pop, we love pop and pop culture in the UK, and then mixed with like a California vibe. Mm, I I can totally see see that. Yeah, like I feel like that just
0: makes sense now. 100%. I'm glad. (laughs)
1: Thank
2: you. you. (laughs) Thanks for clearing that up. Um, Are your parents British? Yeah, my parents were Scientologists back in the 70s. That's how they met. And they decided to move to this small town where L. Ron Hubbard had like a huge following of Scientologists. It's called East Grinstead. And he has like a castle right by there. So they moved their whole family there. And they were Scientologists up until I was like three or four. And now, yeah, no, no more. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) No, thank God. Whoa,
1: that's such an interesting aspect of your story that like we didn't know. So then you're kind of like, you know, live in this like creative life, it seems like in Santa Barbara. And then when did you decide to move to L.A.?
2: I think with film, it's kind of the next step. I was studying film in Santa Barbara City College and I was the only girl in all my classes just to be like doing film like that. It was so great. And I got accepted into a film festival for like a documentary short that I did. And then I decided to move to L.A. because my boyfriend at the time had an apartment there so I could stay for free. So we, went, we came out, and I was. I got a waitressing job lying, saying I've waitressed before. Oh, my God. I was so bad at it at first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I Don't we t- all have to lie to get our first job?
2: I think so. And actually, you guys should read the new book, Talking to Strangers, by Malcolm Gladwell. It's so good. And he talks about how uh, no one can spot liars. You just can't do it. Because our facial expressions do not usually match, like, stereotypes of what facial expressions should read. It's really interesting. Mm. But... So we lied to get this job, and, but I ended up really loving waitressing, and I feel like I learned a crazy skill set there of organization and multitasking. I swear I would hire a waitress over an artist any day, if they were a good waitress. If they were somewhere for like five years waitressing, I just know that they'll be good at organization and getting things done. Oh, I think it's such so a cool skill. Yeah,
0: that's such an interesting take on it. Because I'm sure if you had been a waitress for five years, it would be so hard to get someone to hire you outside of that because they would put you in that waitress box.
2: Maybe they would, yeah. yeah. But I, I really think it would, it's such a good thing to put on your resume. I think people think good things to put on their resume are not necessarily like what I'm looking for. Mm. I'm not also not really looking at what, where they went to sc- I look at where they went to school, but I don't care if they got the degree or what oh, and start. definitely yeah, no. not their grades.
0: Like a lot of people put, no. like when they're kind of like straight out of school or college, they put their grades on and we're like,
2: we don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone does. Again, it goes back to lying. You can really say whatever you want. I'm not going to double check. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. <laughs>
1: Lessons 101 in resumes. So then you kind of like found your way into fashion. And then By what chance. What prompted you to kind of want to start your own label?
2: Well, I was working at a company called Johnny Was, and my boss took a chance hiring me. I never worked in fashion, but I just dropped out of my film classes. So I left, and I knew I had the skill of doing art. Like, my art teacher was like, you should get into fashion. I was like, okay, I'll try this skill. So I got hired based on my Photoshop skills. He hired me based on that skill alone as his assistant. I couldn't believe I got the job over people coming out of school. I was really, really fortunate. I felt like so lucky. Um, Eventually they gave me my own line there. I kind of worked as hard as I could to get more at that company, but they wouldn't give me a raise ever. it just wouldn't happen. And I tried and they wouldn't do it, so I started taking freelance and I got reprimanded cuz they found out and they gave me an ultimatum, you either stop doing freelance work on the side or you leave. And I was like, "Well, I need more money." So, you either give me more money or I leave. But they wouldn't. So, my at the time I ha- I hired my friend who I started Wild Fox with into this company. And she is so talented, like extremely creative. Oh, my God, you guys won't believe how good she is. She cultivates these worlds of like beauty. I can't, You can't even believe how pretty. She's a great illustrator and collage artist and graphic designer. But she's terrible in a 9-to-5 situation. I mean, she was just like suffering, and they all were like, what are you, she's the worst. <laughs> she's, always, <laughs> she's always like making jokes with the other people, and now we're doing our work. And so her and I went home one day from that job, and we were like, you know, if only we could do this on our own, because everything we're making for them, like, we have to cater to their, their look. And don't get me wrong, because they taught me everything. This was, like, probably the only reason that I could start a brand, is that I worked under Victor, who I will always appreciate, you know, and the owner, Ellie, he's amazing. But we, we just knew that we had something to put out there at the time. You remember this time period? Ed Hardy, Von Dutch, uh, Morphine Generation. We were so inspired by Morphine Generation coming out. Do you remember that brand? No. It was Von I knew the other was 2 was really big in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And it was so cool. I mean, I still look back and think how cool and what what amazing, what an amazing like lightning in a bottle moment for them. Morphine Generation wore these T-shirts with like giant crests, like yeah. hand-drawn beautiful hand-drawn crests. I'd never seen, no one had ever done that before. Mm-hmm. Today you see it on like affliction. It's like the cheapest shit that you can find, right? Mm-hmm. But at the time it was brand new. They were the people that started it. And we were like, oh, we need a cool brand like that, you know, where we could do it. But we were so over all the Von Dutch affliction, that's that all over t-shirt. We were like, just simple vintage inspired t-shirts like with that feeling of vintage which is a solid big graphic. That'd be so cool. That's what we want. That's what all we were wearing was vintage t-shirts. So, and it just was this feeling. I can't describe the feeling. I don't know if you guys have ever had this. You probably have since you started your shoe company, but it's like electric feeling where you know, your future is this, Mm. you know, and you can't step away. We were like, Oh God, we can't step away from this, but we have no money and we work at this place. So we are going to have to quit. So we made a pact to quit our jobs. And we did it. We quit with no prospects and no money. And we were like, we're just going to have to ask every rich guy we've met at clubs <laughs> until we find one who's willing oh to do Oh, my God, this. that's amazing. <laughs> like your
1: seed funding round at like whatever local club you're going to at the time. I mean, that's, so that's the
2: truth. I and mean, people can pretend like... I think that's one of the most common questions people ask me. It's like, well, how do I get funding? And I'm like, you know, I don't know, you tell me. Because it's not like a one, two, three thing. There's no way. There's a lot of websites that promote that. Like, sign up, we'll help you find funding. Mm-hmm. And then they just take your $2,500 and run. They don't yeah. Anything.
1: When we were in a startup program, they always talked about like your seed funding round is always from like the three F's
2: friends, family, or fools. Yes. Hopefully, option C never listens. <laughs> we'll talk about option C.
0: That will be the code name. Okay, perfect. Option C. So what were those first steps you took to kind of actually make this vision a reality?
2: we did reach out to a few people that we knew with money, and they were all interested. Like, oh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys. You're young and fun. You know, at that point, we were only uh, 23, so... Oh we're, whoa that's super fresh. We're really young. Yeah, so we're partying and we were like the queens of LA, you know, in our own heads. Yeah. <laughs> but we were we were going out with the cobra snake on a daily basis. Amazing. And we were hanging out, you know, with celebrities, our friends were becoming celebrities. It was like a real booming time for a 23-year-old in LA. Mm. And LA is fun for that reason. It, it is like the movies yeah exactly <laughs> it's literally
0: like your life is a movie yeah
2: it is <laughs> but you know the one of the first person that we went to talk to option c he was like okay give me a couple of days to think about it after he like made fun of our my projections and presentation after he like reamed it and tore it apart for no reason then he was like give me a few days to think about it and we did and he was like oh, let's do it so oh, would you come up with so like crazy. a full-on
0: presentation Oh yeah! Like a, did you have like a PowerPoint deck? My type mom thing? bought me
2: a program called Business Plan Pro. That's still around. I actually used it for Selkie because I was trying to raise money for that in the beginning. But I used this, and it, it's pretty cool. I, I thought I, if I looked back today, yeah, there's probably a lot of holes in it. <laughs> but we only projected to make like hundred thousand in the first year, and then maybe double that the next. And by year two, we were making like um, 1.5 million.
0: Whoa. Incredible.
2: So that asshole was actually wrong. My projections were were lower. Yeah. um, But we were spending a lot more than I projected. Yeah. Yeah. That always happens. That's the truth. And that's probably why he was like, hmm. But it went from there. We worked out of his house in his guest room. We often worked with like hungover people sleeping in the bed behind us. (laughs) <laughs> Shut
1: up, that's yes. such a great story, oh my
0: goodness we This were is like, there a for like a movie in year. the making, maybe yeah. this is the movie that you're going to make
1: Yeah, I don't think I could
2: legally ever make that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, those like early days where you're like working out of his house and it's starting to like grow a lot, what was that like? Like, was that just magic for you? What did it feel like? Uh,
2: Like I said, that it just doesn't feel like magic when you're in it. Mm. Looking back, I see how I took it for granted. I was like, yeah, it's doing good because we made cool (laughs) t (laughs) shirts. But now I'm like, wow, you're really lucky. It was the the start of the recession, it was 2007 and people were like you're going to just fail in this climate but it just took off maybe in spite of that or maybe because of it i really don't know again it was again it's lightning in a bottle i think we just get lucky in these moments and, and we work hard uh we had crazy things damages option c was a nightmare i didn't know he was like this until we got into business we were struggling against the odds you know, it was horrible. That first year was like a living hell. I was crying every day. I was calling my mom like, I'm going to lose all of this guy's money. And he reminded me every day, you're going to lose my money. And I, I couldn't lose his money. He's so rich. I, he just said it to freak me out. Yeah. 23-year-old girl who just like was
1: maybe taken advantage of a little bit.
2: I don't even think he took advantage because I don't think he took it seriously. I don't think he thought we would become what it did. Mm. I think he thought it would just like, you know, be like everyone else's little projects come to guys they know through partying. You know, it's not going to become like a big brand. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like there were like these kind of two parts to it because on the one hand, you know, it was something you were super passionate about and you guys were so excited to like be free and doing your own thing. But then on the other hand, you had Option C who'd like come into the business and, and was making it really tough for you. Yeah. So looking back, did you ever regret that?
2: No, I don't regret anything. Option C, as much as I can make him out to be the nightmare that he was, he was also like this incredibly fun person who was willing to just dump money into it until it survived, until it made more money. And he told us when he had to put more money, but he never complained about it in a real way until later on. But he was so much fun. You know, he would take the whole office to Universal Studios. We would all just get so drunk together. It was a party. It was such a party. And, like, I wouldn't take that back. We were, like, the trio. He, he treated us badly, but it, I didn't even know different mm. back then. So it was, like, just, he was like dad. You know, like, oh, I've got a crazy dad instead <laughs> of my nice dad. I, a really, I have a really sweet dad at home, so. Okay. but it's good that you have it. A- So now I had this like substitute crazy dad, but it it was so much fun. It's like, I just went, I don't know if anyone else would have taken that risk on us. Mm -hmm. I just like the fool, I think it's actually kind of important, especially if they have a lot of money and they're not carefully calculating where it's going. The sky's the limit. And it really was.
0: Yeah. And hopefully that story, if it happened now, would instead of like this guy who sounds like a dick, would be, like, a really awesome, empowering woman. And, like, then you kind of could have had it both ways. You in,
2: know? My, in my dream. <laughs> no, in no, actually, well. my dreams, that has happened. So I am where I could have been then. But maybe doing that was important to get to the part where I am with a, a woman and I have what I want finally. And this could go south. Trust me, I know. I'm always thinking about it. But... I don't think I would change it. Like even if I, like, someone said like we'll change it for you, we'll go back in history, of a time machine, and I have a woman waiting. I don't think I would go back and change that. Mm. Maybe wild fox would be better. Maybe it would have stuck around longer. It's still around, but <laughs> maybe you know we'd still be there. But then I'd still be there. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it led everything that happened led you to this point. Exactly. So I I wouldn't want to change it, and I also wouldn't want to not know him. He taught me about feminism indirectly I knew when I was younger I didn't take it seriously I didn't even understand feminism it wasn't a buzzword as it is today and no one was talking about that no one talked about plus size clothing this wasn't mentioned like we just had to live in the hell of thinking that skinny was beautiful and that's it mm. and there is no feminism anymore that was a thing of the past and suck it up you know so we that's the way we lived But he taught me not to tolerate that slowly. I mean, it definitely made me more aware of women and how we should be treated. So then around four years ago, we were actually
1: living in L.A. and we mentioned to you that I think we had just moved like a couple of weeks before and a friend of ours was like, oh, come to this event. Um, It's at Chaconis, which we live near. And they were like, it's this cool fashion event. Cool people will be there. And we saw you speak and kind of tell your wild fox story um, and you were going through some turmoil in the business. And you were so emotional, raw, (laughs) no, like, and vulnerable and honest. And like, when we got this podcast, we were really excited to tell you that, like, it left such a lasting impression on us, Really, how honest you were. And I think like, you'll be surprised when I tell you why. Well, because, you know, you watch so many men in business and Mm. like, No one's an open book like you were on that day. And I think it's really like a testament to like you being a female and you wanting to be honest and inspire other women and show people that like, yeah, we all have really shitty days.
2: I'm really appreciative of you guys saying that. The thing is that all the things you said, like regardless of what was happening at the time, I tried to be really open because I I do want to see other women succeed. Like if when I look at my history, I'm not in this in any kind of competitive way. I really am trying to express myself and I want for other women to have that opportunity as well. So the more open I can be about it, I know the more inspirational that will be for other women. On that day, so awful. It's like hard to even go back to that time period. Uh, About a week before, my option C had fired me from my own business. It was horrifying. And I had this Chichoni's interview lined up for like two months by my PR uh, rep. And after he did it, he was like, you can't come back. You can't see anyone. It was, it was like a full shutout. So I I never got to see my employees again, anyone. It was crazy. Like the worst thing that's ever happened to me for sure. It was horrifying. And there's a lot of emotions that go with that, like that you can't really describe to someone. It's this weird up and down thing. And like immediately what you want to do is start a new brand. Like, I'll get it back. You mm. want to get it back right away. It's like, you know, the, this is it five stages of grief? I think it's five. But the first one is, I think, denial. And so I was in, when I went to that interview, whatever you want to call it, I was in, like, full denial. My PR girl had called me, and I was like, how could you, did you know he was going to do this? And she just didn't want to tell me. But they all knew. It was so crazy. Oh, my ho- god. It was horrible. It was like, the weirdest thing I've ever experienced.
0: Well, and I remember that somebody asked you a question about diversity. And I think that's what made you really emotional because they were kind of saying there wasn't enough diversity in Wild Fox. Uh. And I remember you being like, yeah, this is bullshit because this is what I've been trying to put into it and I yeah. can't. And that just like...
2: It was hard because I've always wanted to do that. I mean, I haven't even done what I want to with Selkie and getting there slowly. But with, it's hard because it's actually what people don't understand is like you have to shoot samples and you can't make your rep sample lines in size large. Like the stores just complain. So if you've got all your samples in size small, so I'll make many larges and then I'll make a full set of small, but it makes it harder to shoot. Because you shoot before it comes out, right? Before you even make the goods. We've experienced that problem as well. Yeah, so what I'm doing now is I'm trying to do smaller shoots, one, the product's made, so, and then I have the full-size run to access. I'm starting, like, next week, actually. But with WildFox, like, I knew that's what I wanted to see. I saw it in, like, 2012. I was feeling it, too, like this moment where people wanted that. And Instagram sort of brought that on because we could finally talk to the brands. Mm. And I really wanted it for Wild Fox. We used a couple girls that were like a little bit different medium, but I had a certain amount of like ethnicity I could use a year. Like it was control. Whoa, it was not good. That's yucky. <laughs> it wasn't a nice situation. Mm. I actually still like feel so much loyalty to him. Mm. And that's, I think, part of what they do. It's a lot of manipulation. But at the time when I did that speech, I can't even believe I went. He was like, she can still do it. He like gave me permission to go and do it. And they're talking to me about having this brand being successful. And I'm like, I don't have this brand anymore. Mm. This isn't mine. And they asked me about feminism. That's what I think really set me off because I had just been. Yeah, it was the most anti-feminist
1: experience you could have.
2: Yeah. And I still haven't faced it at this point. I'm a week in. And suddenly I have to face it in front of like an entire restaurant of people. I was like, I can't do this. I can't pretend like it was too hard. I was just up there like this is make believe. I'm not telling the truth. Like I held back so much and you thought I was being raw and honest, but that was like,
0: It was like 5%. This is is
2: still the bare minimum. This is as much as I can say without, you know, hurting him. And it seems like also hurting yourself.
1: Like, you know, it's such an intense and awful experience for anyone to go through. And and I can hear from you even speaking about it how, like, yeah, it was four years ago, but it feels like it was fucking yesterday.
2: Yes. When I'm talking about it with you guys because you were there in the moment, it does feel, like, very raw, but... You know, now it feels a lot better. Like, it took, like, two years to really get over. And I'm glad that I took those two years. In the denial phase of losing Wild Fox, I was like, I'm going to have to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) Which was the weirdest thing. Imagine building a multi-multi-million dollar brand over nine years and then getting a job. Yeah, overnight. But applying. I'm like, what do I even tell them? I don't even have a portfolio. Mm. Oh, wow. I'm sure someone weird. would have hired you. Well, they did. Yeah. Planet Blue. Oh, oh, yeah, you did work for Planet Blue. Yeah, they knew what had happened. Um, and they just, they offered me a creative director role there. And I went and worked there for about a year. I love laying and, oh, shout out to them. I love them. They were really there for me in this hard time. And but it was so hard. It was like, I, I sell to this store. Like, I was helping them with their e-commerce. And they were shooting Wild Fox. I was like, I designed that. And I'm here, like figuring out how to help them shoot that.
0: What a surreal That's experience. It was That's really, really crazy. Weird.
2: But it, it happens. The one thing I've noticed that when I tell this story is it has happened to more people than you think. And all those people that are no longer in their businesses, I doubt it's a good story. Mm. I haven't had the opportunity to really ask some of those people, but some of them have told me, like, you get into a lawsuit, you, you break up with your partner, and someone is usually the one getting rid of the other.
0: And I'm sure there so was... Lucky
2: we're blood sisters then, hey?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to <laughs> kick you out. Don't worry. You never know. I'm sure... No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are so many negatives to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has led you to where you are now.
2: It's interesting, yeah. I'm glad it ended. Yeah. I'm really glad.
0: Looking back on it now, are there things that you can see that are positives?
2: Oh, yeah. I should have left it on my own. At the time, like, everyone was like, Kim, you you and him were not getting along. And to be fair to him, like we weren't, we were fighting all the time. He had just gone through like some major bad press because he is not a good guy, but some bad, bad, bad stuff happened. And he didn't want me to talk about it publicly. And so he was angry all the time about it. And he and I just fought like crazy. So it was like two years of that. And my partner at that time had already left. She was like, I'm out of here. So it's just me and him. And I should have gotten out on my own. But it's so scary to get out of your own company. I mean, I was like, well, I can't leave everyone. I can't leave everyone with just him.
1: Well, now, you know, I guess definitely one of the positives that's come out of it is that you're able to kind of re-envision what you want to be and do and now Selkie has been born. Yes. Which is your new baby. That is the
2: best part of what happened.
1: Yeah so what were some of the learnings that you took from building Wild Fox that you took into Selkie when you were starting it?
2: I think that if you're going to start a business like you'll be better off working in some sort of facet where it's closely related to that business You'll take so many skills from it. there's a lot of things I didn't have at wild fox that i I learned at Selkie because my partner was so much in charge of the business aspect of Wild fox, so I didn't see a lot, and because he put so much money into the brand like I never really felt the times where we were we were low um There's a really good book called "From Good to Great about what businesses are successful and why and one of the big no nos in the book is. When your business starts to go on a downward trajectory, all businesses do this. It's never straight line. I think a lot of people get into business and think, we'll keep it up, you know, we'll keep it a straight line or we'll go up and up, but it's it's absolutely impossible. It will do uh, like a a, a rolling hill of ebbs and flows and it's definitely a rocky trajectory, but it's sort of a testing time and the brands that succeed are the ones that don't throw extra money or celebrities or parties into the brand at those times. Those are the ones that do the best and the ones that succeed. The ones that put a lot of money at the problem and like do some kind of celebrity collaboration when they're going on a downward trajectory are the ones that fail and shut down. That's like the worst thing you can do. So this what book is What are you meant really to do in those times when you're going? Nothing.
0: To... Wow.
2: That's you're meant to just oh, keep that's business so hard. as normal. Mm. Business sit is on normal. your hands. Yeah. Because it will go back up. The statistics show it goes up and down. So it should go back up. So it's about patience. And that was one thing at Wild Fox that we didn't do. Like he did start like a lot of new like sections of the brand. Maybe we can make more money this way or maybe we'll shut down this part of the brand or maybe we can get this celebrity to do a big party with us. But that's just spending money when you're already losing money. It's like it when you think about it in a business sense, like it doesn't add up. Like why would you do that? If you don't have money, don't spend more money. Mm -hmm. So I definitely took that into Selkie. And when I started it, it was hard. You know, I got money from Wild Fox and I put all of it. Well, I gave half of it to the government and then I put the rest into Selkie, all of it. And I didn't mean to put all of it and started small. And then I put more and more. And then I didn't have an investor. I was already a year in. I'm like, no one's investing. No one says yes. Oh, no one says yes until they say yes. That's what I tell people. You know, it's like acting. You go out on castings, but no one's going to say yes until they say yes. And when they do that, your life will change. So I was like, no, 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 forever. (laughs) Felt like forever. So every time I got a no, I had to put more money in to buy a production. And then eventually, I got to a point where I put all the money in. And it was like, Hail Mary. (laughs) end of the line, I'm like, okay, so if no one invests after this next two months, i got to shut it down. So I was living in a nightmare. I'd lost Wild Fox. And now I was going to have to give everything up for my brand, my new brand that was supposed to be like the rebirth. I'm like, it's not a rebirth. <laughs> it's a drowning. <laughs> but at the very last minute, I went on LinkedIn, by the way, that's my biggest connecting source. If you want to meet people or find People or money. Research the brands you like. See who works for them, and and just throw that those questions out into the internet. Like I'm looking for partners. I'm looking for investors. It's going really well. I remember writing, "It's going so well," and crying during it. Like going so great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a fucking. I'm like one of those rom coms, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm going make so it great. till you make it. Yeah. It's a cliche, but it's sort of true, isn't it? But it mm. was it was going well, but it didn't feel like it because I had spent all my money. But at the very last minute, this girl, I just from my past came up into my life again. She saw that LinkedIn thing where I was crying when I wrote it and was like, hey, I have this great investing firm that I've just started working with and they work with you. You take half your company and they help you grow and you get all the creative ability that you've been lacking you move your production blah, blah blah it's like a whole thing and I was like this sounds like a dream mm. it's not gonna be true I told my boyfriend about it I was like it's not true it's not gonna happen it's nothing ever happened so you got the money so I got the money Woohoo! <laughs> selkie back on track I got the I got a partners and a operations manager that came with it she's amazing she's changed my life like her and I talk all the time, and it, she really makes me, like, rethink how I'm structuring the brand. I mean, she's taught me more than Walfax taught me in nine years. She taught me more in six months. I've worked with them for a year now, and it's been oh, the blessing. Oh, God, please don't ever go away. <laughs> it so would Just enjoy it. I'll try and enjoy it. You know, we still haven't hit that moment where, that success moment where you're bringing in millions, and you feel like, yes.
0: But like you said, that never comes right. Like, you just... You got to enjoy I'm, the ride. This time around,
2: I'm going to enjoy going that to enjoy moment. Yeah. That first really big order, like with like Nordstrom, we would get with Wild Fox, like million dollar orders, and I never sat back and went like, "Yeah,
0: yeah." <laughs> this totally. time I'm going
2: to do it. I'm going to go out and like have champagne, and really appreciate the moment. I always tell this to people that ask me about business too. We spend our entire time worrying about money. That's what it is. It's not a fear of what's going to happen to the company or you or the future. It's a fear of running out of money or not having enough money to get, keep going or what if you don't make enough money? Like if we could just drop that fear just for even a little while each day and just settle into the fact that if you look at yourself in this moment right now, right now, like everything is so great. You're sitting across from the table from people from your peers like healthy happy doing an interview in an airbnb in la like how great is that like this is such a moment so don't get lost in the financial aspect of your life like money is not what you'll remember when you're on your deathbed it's not like you're gonna be like i'm living millions Mm -hmm. (laughs) you'll be like who did i know what did i do and where am i now be comfortable, stop worrying so much and, and look around and appreciate the people.
0: Wow. Like I literally have chills from that. And like if younger me was like, you're going to be in LA sitting across <laughs> from the Wild Fox founder chatting about things
2: in your podcast, I'd be like, "A, what's a podcast? B, that's <laughs> so cool. By the way, the deathbed, a lot of people don't die on a deathbed. Like we don't get a chance to look back. You know what we should do? We should make a pact to have like deathbed moments throughout your life.
0: Mm, Yeah, like before the deathbed. Before
2: the deathbed. Like lay down and appreciate it. (laughs) As long as it's like... Live bed. Live bed. (laughs) (laughs) When you're on your life bed. I'm going to take this. I want want this.
1: And I think that goes really nicely into like also something that you will look back on or I think when you're like lying on your deathbed is like kind of like the impact that you had and the change that you made. And that's something that we really on your journey feel so inspired by and really wanted to chat to you about because you know through Selkie you really encourage this body positivity like feminist activism being vegan and like all of those things funny when we we're reading about them we're like hey those are all the things our brand stands for and then we were like Love oh it. those are all the things every brand should stand for
2: they are <laughs> and will
1: how was that kind of like looking at your personal values and trying to put them into your brand?
2: incorporating values is so hard. And I, I, it's so funny that you bring it up because yesterday I was just talking to my operations manager. Her name's Sue. I was talking to Sue about ethics and how your consumer really wants to see a brand be ethical, especially today. But they don't really. They don't really care. They're on their fucking China-made iPhone bugging you about what you do. And, they, and why it isn't cheaper. And why is not cheaper and why is it made like if you're going to use polyester blah 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 so the thing i i've noticed is that they just want to be heard i think more than anything i really want them to actually care i don't want you to just want to be heard i'll talk to you all day about what you want to talk to they end up shopping either way they just want to be heard but i want you to care and the truth is that if you start researching environmental impact fashion none of us should be in fashion mm. it's an absolutely destructive business that's creating an insane amount of pollution. I mean, not the same as like meat, but it's really bad. Fabrics alone are such a, a huge part of it. Cotton is going to kill the world. Cotton is one of the worst fabrics for the environment. It's depleting so much land, water. There's so many chemicals that go into the pesticides for these millions and millions of acres of cotton everywhere in every country. So Cotton's biodegradable. It's a lesser of two evils, right? Well, polyester, maybe doesn't take as much to make it. Sometimes it does. Sometimes they use bad chemicals, but it's lesser of two evils, mm. which is it? I mean, if you look up rayon, rayon is they have to use a chemical in rayon that is giving people cancer. The, all the people at factories, the neighborhoods, it, it puts it in the ocean. This chemical they use to process it gives people cancer, mm. and there's no actual evidence yet. There's evidence, but it's not scientifically.
0: Yeah, for us, this is like a big conversation in in yeah, tubes
2: because. You
0: know, like we stand for so many things environmentally, but then, you know, yeah, we have this shoe label and, and we're using PUs and things because we want to mm. be vegan. But like for us, we're like, no, nah, this it needs to be natural. Like we look at Allbirds, the shoe label, and they like make their outsoles out of sugar cane. How much are their shoes?
1: They're I not that expensive, but they're
2: ginormous. Like they, you know, they're they've like had a lot of investment. They're based in Silicon yeah, Valley, you all need that a lot stuff. of money to do an environmental brand. Like, people don't realize that. And when you're buying – even when you're buying from, like, Reformation, you're still buying stuff that's polluting. Like, it's not – you do have, like, less of an impact if you pick organic cottons and stuff. But the best thing you can do is buy vintage clothes. But I don't know. It's tough, isn't it? I really want to – I want to make an impact. I don't want to make a bad impact. I'm very torn all the time. Same. We have, we experience the exact same thing.
0: But I think that um, a lot of brands now are just doing these things for the sake of it. And like you said, like, it's just what the customer's like kind of demanding it's of marketing them. marketing. Yeah. But I think with you and with us as well, like it is genuine. And that's yeah. like the first thing is like putting those values into your brand. I think
2: that's more important than a marketing scheme. I really think that. And I want to be transparent about all of this because I think the consumer is ultimately going to change the market. If the consumer is more demanding to not use things like rayon or change the way that people make rayon, there is a way to contain that water with chemicals in it. It's just really expensive. But if the consumer pushes for it, it will happen eventually. I just hope the consumer is invested enough. I don't think they are. It's sad. It's sad.
1: Yeah. But I think like the more that brands like yours exist and the more they're kind of educating people, like you just taught me a lot about cotton and rayon and maybe someone listening to this podcast, you know, the more we know, the more empowered we can feel and the more change that we can demand. And I think that the fact that consumers say that they care right now but don't actually is because they don't actually comprehend the intense impact that it is actually having and maybe if they do that's when it will really change
2: i agree and also the more they shop with brands who really care not just marketing ploy care then they're going to help that brand grow to a point where they can implement real change within the brand once i have enough money i can make way better decisions right now i have to choose between a lesser of two evils and that's it's a bummer to be in that position but at least Mm. I'm not mass manufacturing yet Mm. so it's not a huge impact yet but once I get to the point where I'm making thousands and thousands of units I would like to be able to make that choice well
0: and you also do what you can like body positivity is really like you know, woven throughout your brand. You I'm
2: not say. there yet, though. I I want to be there,
0: but you ha- do have like a lot more diversity than. I think than you other have brands.
2: like four XL or something like oh, that. Oh, I is... actually have sizing. Yeah, yeah, you have and amazing sizing. I make up to a triple XL, but I just think every brand should have that naturally. Come on, give me a break. It's not even that big. Like if you look at the waist size of a triple XL, if you take a measuring tape, like what we're picturing in our heads, I think is. I don't think it's big enough to go up to. I just, I am limited. I'm going to add a double extra small soon, but it's kind of hard to make too many sizes. You want to keep it within 10. I just chose to go upwards. But I think all brands should do that. Why not? What about shoes, you guys? I hear a lot of my friends with size 10, 11 feet complain. Oh, we, we have, have that. size
1: 42. So what's that? Eleven. Eleven. That's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah we, we and like that was we had forty one, which is kind of like the standard size that everyone goes up to. Yeah. And then nope, had, there's and no maybe there's no diversity. 40, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we had so many requests for a forty two, and now even a forty three, and also because we have a lot of guys now that are starting to wear the shoes. Oh, so, oh I can
2: see that. That's so cute. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we're like, it's definitely something that we're talking about introducing new sizes,
0: and it's also what we liked about shoes. Like, it really appealed to us that we can appeal to a wide range of people that it's not exclusive because it's not about your body size it's just about your shoe size it's quite unisex yeah Mm. and before we do wrap up we always go into some quick fire questions so we're just gonna hit you with some quick fires your favorite
2: place to hang out in LA um probably just anywhere in Silver Lake your favorite beach I like tropical beaches Miami is my favorite favorite beach (sighs) south beach I do love, love that beach. Okay.
1: <laughs> favorite slogan you've ever written on a t-shirt?
2: I really loved running socks. I did really well and running really, it's the worst. It sucks. Run I inside. hate running. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> oh, I know the real answer. The first oh. shirt that I made, drop names, not bombs. It was one of the very first in, when it was still White Horse. Oh, that's, that's a great one. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate, absolutely
0: chocolate chocolate chip and oh, it's yeah. vegan. Oh, no, I love chocolate chocolate chip. It's
2: like you can't get it enough. Or chocolate malted crunch, so good too. You yeah.
1: probably can hear though, hey. True. Like in Australia, we have this like really annoying ice cream trend where it's like all <laughs> very fancy
2: Italian gelati. Get that away from me. It's, I'm just like, yeah, give me the basket and like, Yeah, we want like basket cheap, cheap Chocolate mousse royale. royale. Oh, it's all all desserts. Like I'll take the cheapest ones you got. Yeah, although I don't need it. a lot of it anymore because. It's so much dairy. What would your
0: dream collab for Silky be? Uh,
2: I think it would probably be with Sofia Coppola. If I could make like a little movie. That's probably a dream. And then the other end of that would be something environmental. But who knows what that would be yet. I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm, Cool. And I feel like there's a movie in your future. I've Mm. really... Maybe there is. Maybe I'll get some more time. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Can't wait. Thank (laughs) Thank you. you so much.
0: Thank you.
1: Wow, oh wow, what an amazing episode. Like, I think you can honestly tell from my voice how much I love being in Kim's presence. She is just so wonderful and I think first and foremost, she really leads with her heart and you really feel that when you talk to her and you see that in everything that she creates. If you guys don't follow her on Instagram, I really, really encourage you go and do so because it is amazing. It's at We Dream of Ice Cream
0: just how it sounds. And she has this awesome side hustle that we didn't even get the chance to talk about. It is this dollhouse. It is incredible. It has like themes of feminism woven through it. You really, really have to check it out. So if you did really enjoy this episode, we would love you to please help us get the word out. And you can do that in a few ways. You can leave a review in your podcast app. You can share a photo of you listening to the podcast on Instagram, or just DM us your thoughts. So. In the beginning of the
1: episode, I mentioned that we had a champion on the podcast next week.
0: I used those words wisely. You really did. And a seven-time world champion, to be exact. You guys, next week we have on the podcast the incredible Lane Beachley world champion surfer. We just thought this would be such an incredible episode to end off our year of unbelievable interviews. She is going to talk us through goal setting and basically how we can better our lives. Just so you know, that'll be our second last ep and after that we are going to have our in conversation ep and then we're going to go on a little wee break as we holiday for the end of the year. But Lane next week is going to be epic. Here's a little snippet.
1: When I was eight years old, dad told me I was adopted. I decided, all right, if I'm not deserving of my mother's love, then if I become the best in the world, I'll be deserving of everyone's love. And so when I reflect on that period, I realized that there was a lot of pressure that I'd put on myself from a young age. And when I hear myself say that comment, the only way I'm going to become worthy of love is if I become the best in the world at something. I realized how much of my self-worth was wrapped up in my pursuit of success. That's on the podcast next week. We will be working away at our pop-up. Hopefully we will have launched by the time we chat to you next.
0: So have an awesome one. And come see us at the pop-up, 469 Chapel Street. Bye. Bye.